before the goodness starts flowing, I want to welcome you to the STR Sisterhood, real life stories from real life women in the short-term rental industry. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, ex-corporate girl who discovered how to replace her six-figure salary through short-term rentals and who now has the pleasure of helping others do the same. On this show, we talk to real women in the short-term rental space about their journeys and how they've managed to turn their STR dreams into reality. If you're an ambitious woman who's looking to build a successful short-term rental business, you are in the right place, sister. Welcome to another episode of the STR Sisterhood. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, and thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me today. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I want to share a quote that resonated with me this morning. This quote reads, ignore the glass ceiling and do your work. If you're focusing on the glass ceiling, focusing on what you don't have, focusing on the limitations, then you will be limited. Now that quote came to us from Ava DuVernay, and I actually wasn't familiar with Ava. And in reading her story, this lady is absolutely someone that's super successful. She was the first African-American woman to win Best Director at the Sundance Film Festival, be nominated for a Best Director Golden Globe, direct a film nominated for Best Picture Oscar, and direct a film with a budget over $100 million. So Ava, if anyone has broken through that glass ceiling, you have. Thank you for being an inspiration to us. Now, today I sit down with Chelsea Jones. Now, Chelsea and I actually have a lot in common, and we're chatting it up about her journey, her co-hosting business, and how she has found success in the STR space. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Chelsea. Okay, we are here with Chelsea Jones today. Chelsea, I'm so excited about our conversation, but first, I just want to thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be on your podcast. I've been listening basically since you started it. So really excited to be here. So let's dive in. Today, we're going to have a conversation about co-hosting. But before I start with my whole list of questions, why don't I have you share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and where you're located? Yeah, so I am Chelsea Jones. I'm located in the Columbus, Ohio area. I am a licensed real estate agent here in Columbus too. So I currently have, let's see, I have four in the Smokies. I have one in Hocking Hills, which if you're not from Ohio, you probably have honestly never heard of it. (laughs) Um, And then we're building a new one in Texas, uh, Crystal Beach. So really excited about that. Um, And I actually came from from the long-term rental investing world. So I've switched my entire portfolio except for one long-term rental that I'm holding on to because it was my first home ever. So it's sentimental more than anything. So we have a lot in common. You know, I am in Cincinnati, Ohio, so we're about two hours away. I also have a property 
in Hocking Hills, Ohio, and I'm a huge fan of that market. And I'm also very much aligned. I'm also a licensed realtor. I came from the long-term investing world and shifted my portfolio into short-term rentals. So girl, you and I have a lot in common. We're going to have fun talking. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me a little bit about, I want to hear your story about how you got started in the world of short-term rentals. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I had been, um, like I said, investing in long-term rentals for about four years. So I started when I was 23 and quickly like built a portfolio up of five long-term rentals. It allowed me to quit my, you know, full-time job, which was great. You know, so that's how I got started in investing. And then I couldn't get a loan. So that happens to a lot of investors, right? You quit your full-time job, your W-2 job, and then financing becomes a little bit tough. So it was at that point, I had recently bought a flip. So I was finishing up that project. And I was like, man, I have all this, you know, money that I'm taking out of this property. Where can I put it? That's going to be the best use for my money. So if you've ever read like rich dad, poor dad, like I wanted to make my money go to work for me every day. So at this time, like the market had kind of shifted to in the Columbus area and prices had skyrocketed. So I just wasn't able to make any of those long-term rent numbers work any longer. Uh, So a friend had just kind of mentioned about a cabin in Tennessee. At this time, I had only been to Tennessee one time. Loved it. I love the mountains. But um, so I started like running some numbers and I'm like, oh my God, like with with the money that I'm going to take out of this flip, I can buy, you know, one and a half, you know, and then use savings for, for the rest of those down payments. So that's what propelled me into that. And uh, we were able to scale from, you know, we bought one, our first one in March, and then we bought three more in the span of eight months, all in the Tennessee market. Uh, The numbers were just crazy. So I left my like, I don't know if you want to call them safe. I mean, any investment is potentially a risk, but my safe, I knew exactly what I was making every single month, you know, on these long terms, I sold, um, two of those plus the flip and, and dumped everything into, (laughs) to some short-term rentals. Amazing. Amazing. And so when you started in the Smokies, were you, thinking at that point in time that you were going to eventually expand into other markets? Were you thinking at that time, hey, I want to start managing short-term rentals for other people? Or were you solely focused on acquiring those properties? And that was kind of your original business plan, shall we say? I knew we wanted to continue to invest. And I was looking very heavily in the Smoky Mountains. Yeah, because the numbers were just so great. But during that kind of COVID time, prices just skyrocketed. I look at what my properties are worth now and I'm like, whoo, (laughs) you know, it's great for me. But so I started exploring other markets just based on the price points. And that's how I, you know, got the one in Hocking Hills. It's funny because Uh, my boyfriend and I have very different investment styles. And he's like, I absolutely do not want a place in Hocking Hills. Like it's not going to do well. I don't want that. I don't want a vacation there. Cause that's big for us too. When we're choosing our markets, we have three boys. So it's where do we want to take them uh, to vacation? 
So I, I, I love the Smoky Mountains. It really is my favorite place. The returns there are amazing, but it just got a little bit too competitive. I have not paid over for a single property that we've bought. And I'm just, that's not my style. I don't want to do that. So, you know, it got to every offer was 60 grand over, you know, and I don't want to compete with that because I don't want to pay an appraisal gap and all that fun stuff. Uh, so that's when we started looking at other markets. And then I, I liked the idea of being a little bit spread out. Sure. So let's talk a little bit more about that because I totally understand when you start to purchase a property or purchase properties in a market before a real estate shift. I always say this about Myrtle Beach. You know, when I first started buying in Myrtle Beach, I was buying oceanfront condos for less than $100,000. Oh my God. I know. And so I say today, OMG, if I would have known what the real estate market was going to do, I would have snatched up every condo in demand. By the whole road. (laughs) (laughs) But I do understand, obviously, the diversification of risk and expanding outside of that original market. And I am glad to hear that you convinced your boyfriend to invest in Hawking Hills. You know, again, it's a market that is just a really, really solid performer. And in fact, we have one property there now, and we are getting ready to close on a very large amount of acreage where we are developing a vacation rental resort. Oh my God. I know. That for you. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. That's a whole other podcast episode, but (laughs) I'm curious when you were looking to expand out into other markets, I know you said you were looking at places where you wanted to vacation, take your family to vacation. How did you end up convincing your boyfriend to invest in that property in Hawking Hills. Okay. Well, funny story. I didn't, I just (laughs) bought it. So, (laughs) uh, (laughs) whoops. Yeah. So sometimes, and I'm, I'm grateful to have a partner like this, you know, cause not everybody has that support, but also we, we diversify ourselves. Not that, you know, anything's happening to us or anything like that, but I think it's for, for our loans and our debt, carrying ratios. We actually never put both of us on the loan at the same time to just help us get all of the conventional loans that we can. So he didn't like the idea, which was fine. I didn't you know, need him to buy it. So I just went ahead and bought it. And now that he's seen the numbers, he is on board. He does not want another one there, <laughs> but he trusts my decision. So yeah, grateful to have a partner like that, that, that kind of gives you the free for all. Can you dig into that a little deeper for someone who's like, well, wait a minute, what does she mean? Why are they not going on the same loan together? Can you just unpack that a little bit to help anyone who may need to understand more about that strategy? Yeah, for sure. So you are allowed 10 conventional loans in your name. So if, if Craig and I were both on the loan that, you know, we have four properties, so that only gives us six more total where if he takes one loan, I take another loan, so on, so forth, then we each get 10. If we're both on it, then it's a combined 10. And then you have to go into commercial and and stuff like that. So because our goal is to continue to expand, we kind of set up from the beginning that we wanted to diversify this debt. 
So we're, we're on each other's deeds and stuff like that for protection. But so Craig and I are not married, but even if you are married, you can still be on separate loans just because you're married doesn't mean that you have to be on the loan together. So we did that as a way to kind of plan years ahead that we would still be able to now get 20 conventional loans rather than just the 10 if we uh, combined our, our, in, or sorry, our loans. Gotcha. No, that that's helpful. Thank you so much for, for walking folks through that. I want to ask you about co-hosting because I know obviously it's something that you do. It's something that I do. And it's really becoming a popular business model for folks to help continue to grow and expand their portfolio. So help us understand how you decided or why you decided to start managing for other short-term rental owners? Yeah. So I started just talking about it. Right. And people saw what I was doing and they're like, oh my God, like, how have you scaled like this? I want a vacation home, you know, so on and so forth that the snowball just starts rolling. And so I am always down to help anyone. I want, there's, there's room for the table or room at the table for everyone, you know, and I truly believe that. So I assist them in however they need me to. And there's some people that they either just don't have the time, don't want to deal with the headaches, aren't sure about, you know, managing a property outside of where they live because they can't get there in, in 15 minutes. And I think a lot of that comes from like the long-term rental mindset, right? You're usually right down the road for most people, if there's a service issue or something like that, you just kind of go and take care of it. So I think part of that is that mindset. So I honestly, when I started this whole thing, had no intention of co-hosting. I planned to build my portfolio, you know, manage my own properties. And then a, a friend of mine came to me like, hey, I just don't want to do it. You know, I don't want to deal with the furnace broke 10 states away and I have to figure it out in the middle of the night. I don't want to deal with people complaining. So I just kind of was like, okay. So it was nice that it started kind of as a friend, you know, so we could stumble through it (laughs) together. So now I do offer a full service co-hosting and I learned quickly that, uh, cause I did work with one owner and they wanted to kind of share responsibilities. So we would both message the guests. We would both change pricing both communicate with the cleaners. And it honestly just got to be a little bit messy. So I quickly realized that this isn't the, it was too much. I don't want to say stress, but you know, there was just, it made it a lot more complicated than it had to be with too many hands in the pot. So I quickly decided that my kind of my only model I would offer to clients is a full service. So when I co-host a property, it goes under my Airbnb VRBO name, you know, so they already have the super host, the premier host. I hire the cleaners, hire the maintenance people. I take care of everything. Basically the owner gets a check, you know, and that's kind of it because for me, I'm going to manage the property exactly like I would manage my own. I want you to be just as successful, if not more than me. I also, you know, separately from that full service co-hosting. Sometimes there's people that just can't travel to go set up the property or go hire the cleaners. So that is like one branch of the service. If you don't want me to co-host, I go set up the rental, buy all the sheets, buy all the 
you know, supplies, meet the cleaners, all of that kind of stuff. So that's the only like branch of co-hosting that I do that isn't full service is just the initial setup. And so far it's been doing really, really well. I enjoy it. I come from a customer service background. I come from a real estate background, you know, so this is just kind of merging all of those pieces that I really love into one. Sure. No, I love that. And I love that first and foremost, you have an abundance mindset where you, you know, you mentioned, I believe there's room at the table for everyone. I do too. There is plenty of business to go around. And so I love, first of all, that you have that frame of mind. Second of all, I love what you shared about quickly identifying, hey, this is not the right model for me. I think a lot of people, when they get into co-hosting, very similar to your story, get into it almost as a natural progression and oftentimes because someone is asking them about their own short-term rental journey and, oh my gosh, can you help me? This sounds fun, but I don't want to manage it. Can you help me? So sometimes when we are starting a business and I always use the phrase and we're building the run, we're building the airplane as we're going down the runway. Sometimes it's difficult to even understand what co-hosting model should I have in place? And a lot of people, again, don't even realize that there are different models. There are different ways to co-host. So kudos to you for figuring out very quickly that that particular model wasn't working for you and pivoting to only providing that full service model. If anyone is listening Again, just because Chelsea offers a full service model doesn't necessarily mean that you have to. So identifying what your own strengths and weaknesses are, what services you want to offer is your core service. And then Chelsea, I love how you mentioned that you have, you know, an incremental service for helping to set up the property because that can be an additional way to drive revenue into your business but also help others out exactly where they need it. So love that. I'm curious, when you started co-hosting for other people, what types of things did you discover that you needed outside of your normal day-to-day of managing Chelsea's properties now that we're managing other people's properties? Where did you discover any gaps? Yeah, so I would say... One of the biggest, and I don't, I mean, I kind of knew about this just from my long-term rentals is it is so important to have a contract in place. So you have to protect yourself. You want to protect your owner, your guests, you know, the, the whole nine yards. So this is, you know, a business agreement, a business operation. So the first thing you should do is create a contract. Pro tip, I use Rocket Lawyer for all of my leases, like everything. It's super cheap and they're all, you know, like looked at by lawyers. So I love Rocket Lawyer. That's what I use to make all of my contracts and stuff. And then also I think understanding your owner's goals. So we all got into this for different reasons, right? Minus so that I can retire, you know, mostly retire, also manage properties, but mostly retire at a young enough age that I can travel the world. Kids are taken care of, you know, all of that. Some people want it as a vacation home. Some people want it for just tax purposes and that's kind of it. And if it makes money, great, but they're taking a loss anyways on their taxes, you know? 
you really have to get kind of in the nitty gritty of what your owner's goals are so that you can align with those. Because if I'm running my business, you know, for mostly revenue, and then just a couple of vacations when it's not booked, but the owner wants to block it off half the year because they want to go stay there and they need to make the most out of a four month span. That's something you need to understand so that you can have a game plan with that. So I think that's probably like the biggest thing you can co-host for someone whose maybe vision isn't the same as yours, as long as you understand their vision and you can appreciate their vision enough to change your business model for your properties to meet their vision. Such great advice. Great advice. I'm curious too, what your day-to-day looks like as a co-host. How do you structure your time? How do you go about your day? You know, I just got off the phone right before we hopped on here with a client and I, I'm a hot mess. I really am. My desk is like, I tried looking up quotes to see what it says about a person when their desk is so messy. It says I'm creative. So maybe, but like, I, I will admit that my systems as far as organization on the back end are not great, but honestly, that's how I function. So I have six different piles. They're not organized, but I know exactly where that receipt is. (laughs) So it's kind of funny because I'm probably not your average, very organized office kind of person. But so I was just chatting with one of my clients who I was supposed to send, you know, an invoice yesterday. And I'm like, oh, I promise I run a tight ship. Like, sorry. (laughs) So, you know, stuff does occasionally slip through the cracks and that I'm, I'm a day late on the invoice. You know, it's not the end of the world, but I think it is really important before you even start co-hosting or for your own short-term rentals, have a system. You have to have some sort of filing banking, like there's so much, especially when you then add other people's money, right? Like I'm not trying to co-mingle any funds, really important. So basically I have a lot of stuff automated so that my actual interaction with the guests isn't, you know, nuts, right? Because that could be a full-time job if I'm not automatic automating all of this stuff. So on a daily basis, I am looking at prices, checking in with the cleaners, seeing what maintenance is coming up, making sure that all the calendars are synced with all the other calendars, plus with the cleaners. And then, you know, I just take the guest messages as they come. That's not really something you can like time block for or anything. And then I review prices probably about once a week to kind of stay fresh and stay current. But yeah, I mean, it's so hard in a business like this, I think, to think of like a daily operation because every day is so different. Even though we're kind of doing the same thing every day, you know, it revolves around real estate and we're hosting guests, but stuff can be thrown, thrown at you really quick, you know, that you now have to make 10 phone calls to get taken care of. And that interrupts the flow of some other things. Yeah, but I'm I'm really unorganized. I'm probably the worst person to give advice on that piece. (laughs) Okay, so we're just, let's just call this out really quickly. Ladies, if you are listening, we may or may not want to take Chelsea's same (laughs) model. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm teasing, but I love that you talk about systems and you realize how important it is to have systems in place. And even with your six piles, again, you've got, your own system. It it may or may not look like someone else's, but you have your own system that 
number one, works for you today. But then number two, you recognize, hey, I could probably improve this, you know? And so I love, again, that you're already thinking about that. You've got systems, but hey, how how can I make this better moving forward? The fact that you say you're probably not the best when it comes to organization, guess what? We all have strengths and weaknesses, (laughs) right? We all do. So don't beat yourself up about it. But (laughs) Sometimes that's one of those things. So someone once told me that you should hire out the tasks that you don't love, those five, $10 tasks. So it's actually, it's on my goal sheet for this year to hire an official bookkeep, like the whole thing. The whole thing. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned that because that has been my model. I built my co-hosting and property management business when I was still working full time. And so my entire model is an outsourced model because I had to have that in place in order for me to grow that business while I was still in my W-2. So for me, it's a very different type of back end where I've got lots of people and lots of teams all collaborating with one another. But, you know, in a I try to keep the the machine operating like a well-oiled machine. But I think to your point, sometimes things pop up during the day unexpectedly. And I feel very grateful that I do have teams around me to triage those. But there are times where, hey, I've got to pick up the phone and either have a discussion with a contractor, have a discussion with an owner, help them to understand maybe some back end of why certain things are happening or what we need to do with their property. But I love that you're attempting as much as possible to build your time so that you're most efficient. Yeah. And I think like part of that for me is I struggle to let things, you know, go. So I love the, that you have a team and I love the idea of that for me brings me a little bit of anxiety maybe. (laughs) So I think that's part of why, you know, it's taken me so long to let these smaller things go because I love, I love to be in the weeds of it and not everybody's like that, but I enjoy those pieces of it. I do. And I'm lucky to have, I don't have a W2 job. So this is, you know, something that I can spend the time on as well, which is not everyone's case. Exactly. So I want to ask you, you mentioned delegating might be a challenge for you. What would you say your biggest challenge has been in your co-hosting journey so far? And how have you navigated that? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I think I think the education piece. So I think you know you you work with an owner that has ma- has probably never done this before, right? So before you get to the point, I think educating them on their market. So some owners that I work with already have they've already bought the property, you know, so I have no input on my advice or my, you know, analysis of the market, right? Other owners come to me and I help them find the property, analyze the property and all of that. So in a situation, maybe where it's a new owner who already purchased a property and maybe there's some high seasonality in that market, I think explaining that and what that'll look like. So I'm sure you're very familiar, obviously being in Myrtle Beach, that that beach markets have a seasonality to them. 
And if an owner doesn't understand what that looks like, it can be really frustrating because they're expecting summer numbers to kind of they'll slow down a little bit, you know, but they're still expecting to make good money. And sometimes that's just not the case in, in beach markets or in, you know, some, some other markets. So I think the education piece of what an owner can expect in the different seasons that that market holds is really, really crucial. You know, so I don't always have control over the property that they buy, but my biggest learning curve was definitely explaining better about the seasonality of their market because they had no clue. So when it was January and it was pretty, pretty slow, they had no idea that that was to be expected and that, you know, prices are going to have to change a little bit compared to summer. So that would be the biggest piece usually when I co-host, it's it's a newer investor or a newer in this short-term rental space. So just giving them as much education and then also giving them your plan, right? So it's still my job as the co-hoster to have, because I do offer the full service route, you know, to have a plan for what winter is going to look like and what things am I doing to help get through that time? Or, hey, this is a great time to do that bathroom remodel that you said you want to do because we're not blocking off dates and stuff like that. So as long as the, the over-communication and the education piece is just huge. Yeah, I I totally, totally agree. And, you know, as you mentioned, there have been times in my journey as well where I have an owner who may or may not be as educated about the seasonality and they understand that occupancy rates will go down, but they don't understand that pricing will also go down. Yes. <laughs> and so that has been that has been a hurdle for me with a couple of owners and again staying as proactive as possible and bringing that education to them is really really important. I also have found that in those scenarios if I'm able to say, "Hey, hang tight, it's okay cuz look at the rest of the year. Like we're in January, but look at how your year is shaping up already." you're doing just fine. Helping them see the future and understanding what their number projections are looking like already helps, I think, to allay some of those fears. Yeah, definitely. And I think having, you know, if you are in a situation where you're assisting them by the property, you know, you're giving advice on that, having that conversation before, you know, (laughs) is great because some people don't want that, you know, they want slow and steady throughout the whole year. And that's, I think that's a personality style kind of. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, I think that's huge. And I always tell, you know, my investors, my clients, anyone, you need to really be looking at it from a year perspective, not a month by month. You're going to, you're going to hate yourself in January if you're looking at it only month by month. The goal is for the year, what are you taking home? Yeah. Um, so I think that piece too is important to relay to the the newer investors. Yeah, I think that's really important as well because I have had conversations with clients or potential clients and they're like, what can I bring home every month? And I always say, well, what month are we talking about? You know? <laughs> In June, you're going to bring a lot of dollars. Exactly. Exactly. Such great stuff. Okay. I want to move to the lightning round. And what I'm going to ask you to do is 
answer these questions with the very first thing that comes to mind. My first question is, where is your favorite place to vacation? Ooh, okay. So it sounds kind of cliche, but like Tennessee, hands down. I love the mountains. I take a lot of like solo non-work trips there too. It's kind of the place where I just re-energize. I, I love the mountains. Um, it's It feels like home. Yeah. I love that. I feel the same way about the beach. So I totally know what you mean about re-energizing in that space. There's something magical about just getting recharged and love that. Okay. What's one place you've never been that you want to visit? Oh, Greece is my biggest bucket list trip. So I got to knock off one. I just got back from Italy for my birthday. So Greece is the next big one. I'm I don't know when I'll do it, but yeah. (laughs) I love that. How long were you in Italy for? Uh, 10 days. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. My goal is to check off a world wonder, at least one a year. So I did Egypt with the pyramids last year, Colosseum. Uh, I'll do Machu Picchu this year as well. So yeah. That's a great goal. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to fulfill it. So fun. Okay. What's one thing you know now that you wished you knew when you started out in short-term rentals? I wish I knew how easily this could become a real business. I, because I think I would have started some things a little bit different. I think I would have diversified my portfolio a little sooner as well. You know, we spent quite a bit of money in the Smokies. So then it didn't leave much for, for, other places. But um, yeah, I think I, I didn't expect it to grow so quick. I mean, when I tell people we, we bought four homes in eight months, they're like, with what? I'm like, I don't know. I have no clue. (laughs) Because I think I just would have made some different moves. I think I would have, like I said, diversified, but also diversified my, the cabins I did buy. I think I would have spread them out a little bit more done, maybe more of like a niche kind of space. So yeah. Okay, cool. Now I'm curious, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Okay. So it's not a piece of advice I've been given, but it's a quote that I love. And if you're a Hillary Duff fan, you'll probably know like what this is from, but never let the fear of striking out, keep you from playing the game. I'm sure like a lot of women listening, like I struggle so much with comparison and self-doubt and all of these things. And it's really, really easy to do that, especially in this business, because you see people, you know, Stacy, like yourself, like Avery Carl, like all these people who have grown so quick and so, you know, amazingly. And it's really hard to not compare yourself. But at the same time, if you continue to just let that fear of what if I don't make it? What if I don't have as many properties? What if they're not as successful as I thought they would be? then you'll never get started and you'll do yourself the biggest disservice. I think that is great advice. And it gives me chills just hearing you say that because negative and limiting beliefs can be absolutely crippling. And candidly, I think everyone in this world deals with that. And some people have learned the skill of how to silence or deal with those 
voices inside of their head. And I think that that is such wonderful advice, Chelsea, because I know for me, you know, it is something that I learned a skill of how to understand, number one, how my mind works, but then number two, how to control my thoughts. And had I not learned that, I don't think I would be where I am today. And I bet you wouldn't be where you are today, right? So I just really, really love that you've said that, that, you know, don't let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. I love that advice. I love it. We all just play the game. <laughs> Amen, sister. And again, there, there is plenty of business for all of us to be successful. So I also, again, appreciate the fact that you have that mentality where, all right, I'm not going to let fear get in my way. And I know that I can be successful as well as everyone else in this industry. Love that. Okay, what's one thing and or person that you're grateful for today? Wow, one is hard to pick. <laughs> so I'm obviously grateful for my boyfriend, wouldn't be here without him, but I am so incredibly grateful for my mom. She raised us as a single parent and has always, always been my biggest cheerleader, my biggest influencer, my biggest just support system and doing that all by herself. And we did not make it easy. So to still be the person she is today, it's, it's incredible. So definitely my mom, she is helping me get my life together, you know, with my books and stuff. So shout out to mama Sharon. Shout out to mama Sharon. Hi, mama Sharon. Cool. I love that. Love that. Love that. Okay. So as we wrap up, I'm curious if anyone is listening, they want to learn more about you, your services, how they might be able to work with you. What is the best way for folks to get in touch with you online? Yeah. So you can go to my website, Chelsea with a Y, madisoncollection.com. Uh, so you can reach me there. My email's there. My website's, or sorry, my uh, Calendly, all of that stuff is there. And then I use Facebook more than Instagram. I'm so old school, but that's <laughs> Chelsea with a Y, Madison Jones. So hope to connect with all of you soon. I love it. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for being here. It's great to have you. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks, Stacey. Have a good one. Now, before we wrap up today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to the fabulous women inside my Female Short-Term Rental Investors Facebook group. Just yesterday, Kara Brave posted, hi again. About a month ago, I asked for feedback on my STR. Your comments were so very useful, and I had changed a few things about the place since then. So here I am once again asking for feedback on the new decor. It may still be on the planer side, but I am all ears. Thank you in advance. And already we've had so many women give Kara advice. Courtney Ness writes, I think it looks great. I would add some lumbar pillows to the outdoor seating. Target usually has some in their dollar section, inexpensive, usually five bucks or so. It would add a pop of color, soften the area, and definitely add a little comfort. 
So thank you, Courtney, for helping Kara out in her journey. That's all for now. I hope you have an amazing week and I will see you back here next week. Okay, sister, are you ready to start making your short-term rental dreams a reality, but feeling lost, stuck, or just overwhelmed? Here's what I know for sure. You deserve everything you're dreaming of, and you deserve to get it with ease, support, and joy. So here's what I'd like you to do. Go to stacystjohn.com slash strwebinar and watch my free masterclass where you will get the scoop on how to leave your W-2 and start building your dream life with five simple steps. If you're ready to have more time to spend with friends and family doing the things you love, adding a ton of zeros to your bank balance, and start living your short-term rental dream, you need to watch this masterclass. Head over to stacystjohn.com slash strwebinar right now to start watching. That's stacystjohn.com slash strwebinar, and I will see you there.